And I'm Jamie, welcome to Driver Picks the Podcast. Where I pick the podcast. And I shot my cake off. And today we are going to be discussing the 20th episode of the fourth season of Supernatural, titled The Rapture. Jamie, what did you think? What did I think? What did I think? Okay, so I'm going to ask your, answer your question with a question. Okay. What do you think my PSA of the day is going to be? Ooh, that is, okay. Okay. Now, I don't know if this is going to be word for word verbatim. Okay. But I do think, maybe... Okay. It could be about how if you find out someone that you love has an addiction problem, locking them in a panic room is maybe not the best course of action. No. No. You think it is the best course of action? (laughs) I'm not saying you're wrong. I'm just saying that's not my PSA. Okay. What is your PSA? Do not approach electricity and power lines when they're down and they're still live. Oh, yeah. That is a bad idea. Yeah, bad idea. Well, we already know that these boys don't understand how voltage works. Yeah. That's a season one take. <laughs> so, yes, that's a very that's a very good, very good PSA. You should absolutely not go near down power lines. You should stay away and you should call your local power network to advise them of the concern. Okay, well, now what I actually <laughs> thought of the episode. Yeah. It was an episode. Mm-hmm. We get some new characters. Yeah. Um, we get some new lore. I've got to go with my first point, yes. which is something completely irrelevant. Okay. It is something that only bothers me, I think. Okay. <laughs> but I've got to point it out because that's what this podcast is mm-hmm. about. We see them and Cass, like, well, Jimmy is like, let's just start with dinner. Fine. Great. Well, yeah. Okay. I've got s- points on this too. <laughs> they sit down at the table with the sandwiches and they each have a glass of milk. <laughs> You're not a, oh, well, you're lactose intolerant, so you're not a milk person. You can have an alternative milk. Do people just sit there and drink, like, normal milk? Yes. Or at least I do. Here's the thing, right? I am under the impression from seeing vague posts online that the world kind of falls into two camps. People who drink milk and people who think that people who drink milk are insane. (laughs) And I am a drink milk person, but... I also am aware of some people thinking that that is an insane choice to make. So it depends on on your personal subjective opinion. I like milk. I probably wouldn't have it with my dinner unless unless yeah. I was having something super spicy or something. Like I understand that people just like drink milk. I was so confused because it's dinner and they're just having milk with dinner. I mean, I will have milk with dinner if it's spicy. <laughs> just blinked at me so slowly. <laughs> Here's the thing. I'm going to be real with you. I did notice the milk. I did think it was an odd choice. It wasn't what I took away from the scene, though. <laughs> I had a point about that scene. Okay. I'm sure yours is actually related to the episode that we watched. I, yeah. Look, I've actually got a couple of points about that scene. But I'm going to start with the fact that... So we're skipping sort of right to the sort of middle of the episode. Yeah. But basically, okay. Cass has evacuated the vessel that is Jimmy... Jimmy has returned home after an absence of sort of a year, right? Mm. Like, roughly. And he walks in. He's talking to Amelia. First of all, I want to put it out there. I love Amelia. Amelia is the fucking real MVP of this episode. She's the only person having any fucking normal reactions to anything that is happening around her. I spent the entire episode just staring at her face, trying to work out where I knew her from. (laughs) Turns out she played Whitney Frost in Agent Carter. And that's where I knew her from. Anyway, he is sitting and he is talking to Amelia and he says, you know, I just want to come home. And she's like, I don't think I can do that. And that's fucking fair and valid. And then he says, 
maybe we can start with small something smaller. Maybe we can just start with dinner. And I'm like, the audacity of this man to be like, hey, sorry that I walked out on the family with no explanation or contact for a fucking year and then show up at your house and be like, you want to make me a sandwich? Fuck you. <laughs> I watched that scene and I'm like, oh, so like he's like, oh, let's go back to like dating. Let's go back to the beginning stages and like not tonight, but in yeah, the future, right? Let's go out and get dinner and sit there and actually talk about what yeah, happened. I'll and see like, you again in a couple of days. Yeah, yeah. And then she just goes. I was like, I Amelia is such a better person than me. I would lose my mind. <laughs> I just I think it's very impressive, specifically Misha Collins's job in this episode. Yeah, I think he does phenomenal. Because Jimmy is distinctly different to Cass. And they're wearing the same clothes. Like, he doesn't look different. No. His entire energy is different. It's not like Nikki Acox, who played Meg. Yeah. And she played Meg, but she also played the girl who was possessed by Meg. Yeah. And, like, you see them in two different situations, and she does a phenomenal job, but also the girl who is Meg, not just Meg the demon, Mm -hmm. looks distinctly different. Like, they have a different haircut, they have a different clothing options like, yeah and like that adds to the sense of this is a different person yeah and they're also episodes apart and they're like, also episodes apart misha collins didn't have that like no. this is all like within you, the same episode same look same, same haircut same everything and you see him make the change between jimmy and cass in one scene like yes. you see him go, and i know what you're gonna say i <laughs> It reminded me of, like, every anime magical girl transformation ever, except for instead of an entire costume change, you just look at him and he tilts his head. Yeah, I know. It's like Shiro, Princess of Power, except instead of drawing, like, the beautiful, luscious hair, it's just, like, 45-degree angle. (laughs) And somehow, in your brain, you're like, oh, yes, that's Cass now. Yeah, right? Here's the thing. There's this particular detail that I've never really noticed before in the scene where Jimmy goes out and he, you know, he puts on his coat and he goes out into the yard and he's like, come on, like, Castiel, like, tell me what you want. Like, you know, I'm going to lose my family. Just promise I'll be okay kind of thing. And he grabs the tie and he loosens the tie because he's stressed, right? I've never noticed that. But one of the iconic things... never tightens it up. Yeah, one of the iconic things about Cass's look is that he has the disheveled, loosened tie. That's probably, like, the one tiny costuming change they have between Jimmy and Cass. Yeah. And it makes such a difference. difference. Yeah. And it's great because I I had never noticed, like, I noticed him do it, but I had never picked up on the fact that I was like, oh, that's why Cass's tie is done wrong. Not because Jimmy doesn't know how to tie a tie, but because in the stress of losing potentially losing his family and not knowing what Cass wants from him and like questioning everything that's happening in his reality he's just loosened his tie so he can breathe better and then he just happened to be possessed before he fixed it and I just think that's hilarious do we think that Castiel size of the Chrysler building mm-hmm. if he ever had his tie done properly would feel claustrophobic like he's already shoved into this tiny little vessel we do get uh, an instance of his tie being fixed, either by other, other character yeah. or he does it himself in, like, later seasons. However, I do think it is, like, a fun potential that, like, yeah, like, already the constriction of the vessel is, like, a bit much. And then when you constrict the vessel, it's... Yeah, it's, like, another thing again. So it's definitely a fun take. 
But yes, I absolutely agree with you. Like, kudos to Misha's acting here because Jimmy and Cass are worlds apart. Uh, it's the voice, I reckon. Yeah, the voice is so different. It's the voice and it's the head tilt. No, that's it. Yeah. It's like, it's crazy. loosen the tie, tilt the head, lower the voice. Yeah. What is so fucking hilarious to me, though, is that, like, we've talked before about, like, Cass and Dean obviously having this, like, tension, this kind of chemistry between the two of them in the scenes that they have where they're, like, having these intense conversations and stuff. Jimmy and Dean... No chemistry. Yeah. None. Zilch. Nada. And that is hilarious to me. Like, <laughs> it's just not there. Like, Jimmy and Dean just having a, a tense conversation. They're just two dudes who are annoyed at each other. And they're trying to tell us that it wasn't an intentional choice. I know. Like, because I understand in some media it's like you just have chemistry with your co-star or whatever and that just bleeds onto the screen. Yeah. Fine. Whatever. And if that's all it was, why didn't it bleed onto the scene yeah, exactly. when he was playing Jimmy? <laughs> right? Exactly. It's a completely different energy. And it's so funny to me because we've recently talked a lot about how Dean and Anna have like no chemistry and Z it feels weird. Zilch. Nada. Continues yeah. on in this episode. Damn, She's on screen. And it's terrible. And like they're trying to make it happen yeah. and it's like it's not working. And also... I do want to quickly touch on the fact that when Anna comes back in this episode, she is acting a lot more like Misha's interpretation of angels mm. and like that kind of like more robotic and I don't understand mm. that reference kind of, which is interesting because like obviously she's just kind of had her angelhood reinstated. She's much less human yeah. in that sense. Her mannerisms and speech pattern have definitely shifted to be closer to that that we're used to from Cass than it was when she was yeah. Anna, the, the human girl. Yeah. So... I do think that's interesting. But yeah, they have zero chemistry. Yeah. Nothing. And like, they're clearly supposed to be flirting. Yeah. In the car. But it... Except for freshly rebooted Castiel has more chemistry. Yeah. Than Dean, with Dean than Anna does. Like, it's like they've just rebooted him in heaven. Yeah, baby's first lobotomy. Like... This is, well, first lobotomy during the period of Supernatural as yeah. we see it. There have been previous ones that we'll learn about. <laughs> Like, they've just reset him to factory settings. Genuinely, yeah. And he's still got more chemistry with Dean than Anna does. Mm-hmm. And Anna is yet to be reset. Though, be very interesting if they have caught Anna at this point and they have reset her and this is her Ooh. trying. Because, like, obviously the angels have a stake in... They don't want the demons to get Jimmy. Yeah. Because if the demons get Jimmy, what information does Jimmy possibly have? Yeah, even if it's subconscious. Even if it's subconscious, like, what information does Jimmy possibly have that would be dangerous for them? And, like, it's very clear that Cass knew something when he was in Jimmy as a vessel that they don't want the Winchesters to have. Mm -hmm. Because otherwise, why the fuck would they have rebooted him? Yeah. Why the fuck would they have reset him? Yeah. So it'd be interesting if at this point Anna has been captured... And now she's just trying to, like, you know, like, they, the angels want to kill Jimmy as well, mm -hmm. but they need the Winchesters to get to Jimmy to make sure the demons don't first. Yeah. Because this... remember, the angels are losing. I they wanna... don't necessarily have the spare manpower to save, spend on this. Like... Not at all. Especially if they're spending some of their, like, existing energy lobotomizing their own recruits. Like, you know, they <laughs> And trying to protect fucking Chuck. Yeah, literally. Like... So... It's it's a whole mess, and actually, I do want to talk about because obviously, at this point, we we already know that heaven is not like harps and lullabies and fluffy clouds and whatever. At else. this point, they haven't confirmed that it's bad, but they also haven't confirmed that it's good. See, this is the interesting thing because when they're talking to Anna, 
like in the car this is she's saying that Cass got dragged back to heaven and that this is bad painfully awfully bad and he must have really pissed someone off so we get the idea that even if heaven is fighting on like the good quote-unquote side of this thing heaven itself is not good like there is a moral ethical badness like you could like corruption yeah perhaps i wasn't clear enough with what i meant what i meant by like they haven't confirmed it was good but they haven't confirmed it was bad was they haven't confirmed that it's as bad as hell They've confirmed that there is that grey area in terms of heaven. We assume technically they're on, like, the good side because they're angels. But it's like, they're still committing war crimes. It's just that we're on their team. (laughs) So, like, we overlook them a bit more than the war crimes that the other team is committing. Mm. And it's a perspective thing. Kind of like, you know, we look at Sam and Dean and we think that they are the protagonist and that they are sort of morally, ethically in the right a lot more of the time than we would if we saw the show from any other person's perspective. Because arguably they do some insanely terrible things. I'm gonna derail us a little bit. Please don't. Sam has the flask. Why the fuck is he like putting it on his head? I don't know! It's insane! I'm like, obvious, obviously, it's so that you can see the blood suit, but you'd think... You'd also... Here's the thing, but if you just drink it from the flask like normal and then tip the flask upside down and nothing come out so show yeah. that maybe like a single drop of or like blood. then he tips onto his hand to like look to like shake it into yeah. his hand and there's like maybe two drops of blood there but he's like there's clearly still like a little bit left like maybe a sip or two yeah and instead of just like drinking the sip or two and then like tapping it onto his hand or whatever, he does all of it onto his hand <laughs> And, like, the thing is, we also get the scene later on, which is, like, vampire Sam. Oh, yeah, I put vampire in my notes. <laughs> A is very funny, considering Gordon's hatred of him. Yeah, right? Maybe Gordon was a fucking psychic at this point. Maybe, but it's, A, yeah, A, it's hilarious because of Gordon's opinion of Sam. Yeah. And B, that would have implied whether we saw what was in the flask or not, what was in the flask. Well, also the fact that he calls Ruby and yeah. is like, hey, like, you know, I need more. It's like, well, we would have inferred what it was. I understand that they wanted to show but the But also, blood. Ruby radio silence. Ruby radio silence. That is something that we'll come back to that in a in a hot sec because I do want to talk about It's like when this. your drug dealer gets nabbed by the police. Kind of like, you know, like she's, he needs a hit yeah. and she's the supplier and she's not there. You so know what would be more convenient? If Dean was a demon that he could just, Yeah. yeah. <laughs> God, that theory really is a run. No, my God, I recently re-listened to an episode where I mentioned it. (laughs) So here's the thing. I understand, like, obviously from, like, a visual perspective why they wanted the blood on the palm. Like, I get it. I also understand your thing about it. My thing is that I understand him maybe not being able to get it out if he just tipped it. Because blood, when it cools and gets older, it coagulates. It'll run slowly. It'll be really thick and viscous. Like, so it probably wouldn't just flow nicely. You probably would have to, like, tap it a bit to get it out properly. But I think what could have been a fun alternative is, like, a straw. <laughs> Demon blood like, bubble tea. Literally. I'm, like, imagining, though, like, a spiral, like a, a silly straw. Oh, my God. Because then you get to see the blood. Like, you still get the visual of its blood. But also, Jared doesn't have to put it on his hand. <laughs> and also, it's just a little more fun. I don't know. It's just a bit silly kooky. <laughs> okay. So we do have to talk about blood this episode. Specifically, we get the line about the vessels of it's in their blood. Yes. So it is something genetic, obviously. Yeah. Either that or angels are also breaking into houses and putting (laughs) angel blood in people's mouths. Yes. 
Um, Which is an interesting choice. No, I will confirm for you, yes, it is a it is a genealogy thing. It mm. is definitely a lineage, which is why I've been loving your lineage theory this whole time, because yes, that is actually important. And we get it here. Like it was Jimmy was a vessel, therefore Claire can also be a vessel, but it is important that Amelia like no one possesses Amelia. Like the angels don't possess Amelia. She's not a vessel. It's about Jimmy's bloodline. I mean, if she Claire then had a but not by an angel. Not by an angel. Yeah. So then if Claire then had a child, then yeah. Claire's child would also yeah. be in line to be a vessel. It that's how it kind of goes. It is also, I think, a really fun callback to season two and the line of it's not in your blood that you picked up yeah. on back in Simon said. I was like, No, the oh. line was it's not in your bones. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. So and like, I was like, that's, that's fucking weird. Yes. Like, cause this is how it's normally Yeah. So it's fun to sort of see that line come back, like the phrase come back in the way that it is usually conveyed. Yeah. But also I think it's fun because in like both cases, like it was something in their genetic makeup in their Just blood. one is framed as shameful and the other is framed as not. Yeah, which is so interesting given the like dynamics of one being angelic and one being demonic. Okay. I am going to theorize a little bit. Yeah. Love that for you. I think Dean and Sam are also genetically compatible to be vessels. Okay. I think that genetic compatibility is why all the special children were targeted. Okay. All right. So you think that's the selective process? I think that is what they were actually looking for. The genetic compatibility with angel vessels. Mm -hmm. Because if they corrupted the angel vessels before they could be used, that's a huge step up. That if the... Vessels are already corrupted. Yeah, because it is important, like, this is relevant to your theory. Clearly not anyone can be a vessel. Yeah. So if, for example, Jimmy had been corrupted with demon blood, would he still be a viable vessel? I would say no. And so we're coming up to the apocalypse. Obviously, the angels have come to Earth to help prevent the apocalypse. They need vessels. If the angels cannot come to Earth because all of the vessels are corrupted, then demons have free reign. Mm -hmm. So that's an incredibly good theory. And... I don't know if it was Mary who was genetically compa- compatible or John. Mm. Because if it was this John... This is the thing, because it could be either... That is That would make so much sense why they killed John so that Mary would make the deal for him. Mm. So that Mary was then yeah, bound so... by the contract, by the deal. Yeah, so they could keep track And they of also her. have the genetic mm-hmm. from... John. John. Yeah. We will find out more yeah. about this in like terms of like how the lineage, like we get more yeah. about like lineage and vessels yeah. and, and stuff. So you'll be able to develop this more. Yeah. But it is very fun. And I do enjoy, I do enjoy hearing your thoughts on it. So, oh, I did want to very quickly talk about a lighting choice. Mm-hmm. Right? I just think it's very fun framing. Yeah. So in the scene where they're in the motel, Dean and Sam have just kind of had this like argument outside by the Impala about what they're going to do about Jimmy. And actually, maybe I'll touch on this first. Because Dean is like, what do you mean? What do we do? We get him a bus ticket. We send him home to his family. Like, obviously, that's what we do. And Sam makes the valid point, which is that, no, no, if we want to know what he knows, you think no one else is going to want to know what he... Like, you can't just let him go. He's going to die. He's in danger. Like, do we want to keep a man hostage? No. Is it the only way to stop him from dying? Probably. Potentially, yeah. And, like, Sam has a point. But I also just want to touch on Dean's point. Which is him saying, remember when our job was helping people, getting them back to their families. And I think he makes a valid point because the progression of this plot line, we've talked about this mm-hmm. a lot, is so slow. 
the change in the show is less perceptible than if it happened quickly. Mm -hmm. And if you compare the plots that we're looking at now that are a lot more overarching and a lot like sort of bigger stakes comparatively to like season one, two. It's not people are dying, we need to help save them. It is... The end of the world is coming. We need to try and defeat the bad guy. Yeah. Which is the same thing. We've just talked about leverage and specifically the season two, the first half of the finale. And they go from the framing of we were helping people Mm -hmm. to we need to take these bad guys down. And just like that subtle framing shift from focusing on who they're helping to focusing on who they have to stop. It changes everything. Yeah. And it's just it's just that tiny shift because it's still technically they're still achieving essentially the same thing, but it's just the priority has shifted yeah. and so the way they go about it changes. And yeah, so I just wanted to touch that because I do think it's interesting. But when they then go back inside the motel and they're basically trying to explain to Jimmy that like, look, for your own safety and your family's safety, we can't let you go home. Yeah. The way that the shot is framed, it obviously cuts between Dean and Jimmy. And the lamps behind him instead of, like, above his head like it normally would be. Yeah. If he was possessed by gas. Yes. But also, if you look at Dean, there is a light fixture directly over his right shoulder and directly over his left shoulder, or, like, when he's looking at us, our left and our right, is Sam's head. (laughs) It's quite genuinely very directly the light fixture and Sam and Dean is in the middle and it's so interesting to me oh and also I did notice behind Jimmy a couple of times in this episode lots of blue light particularly when there was white lights behind Sam and Dean or like different color lights behind Sam and Dean they cut to Jimmy and it's blue and I just thought that was interesting Cass's blue light theory Cass's blue light theory I mean at this in this point it was Jimmy but you know maybe it's just Misha maybe they just like putting Misha behind blue stuff Compliment his eyes, really make him pop, you know? Or it could just be symbolising how even though Cass has, like, vacated the vessel, Cass is still kind of there. The idea of Cass is still there, yeah. I suppose. Anywho, did you have another point that you'd like to move on to? I don't know. I actually have, like, almost no notes for this episode. Like, okay, none. I've got a fair few. Like, I feel like I watched an episode of Supernatural, but I don't remember what it was about. <laughs> Alright, I'll, I'll give you some options. We could talk about... We could talk about Jimmy... As a character. Yep. And how he's an insane person. We could talk about Cass as a character. We could also talk about Jeremy Carver. Or I just have some fun things that are occurring. I have no real thoughts about any of that, but I'm sure I can conjure some thoughts up if you have thoughts. You know what I mean? Like, yeah, okay. Like, I, this one was interesting because, like, I actually, like, I was pretty well vibing while I was watching it. Considering the, the concept of it, it's actually a pretty fun episode. Mm-hmm. Jimmy and, really makes it. Yeah, and Jimmy, <laughs> Jimmy and the Novaks really just, like, that entire family is what makes this episode, and it's yeah. very fun. But I'm it just, like, it's really weird, because I feel like this episode almost gave us more payoff than a lot of other episodes, but also, like, it feels like nothing happened. Yeah, well, I think... You know what I mean? I think that the reason for that is because nothing really did happen in terms of the main story. Nothing like, changed. The only thing but is that Dean... Happened. Yeah, the only... Th- Thing that changes is that Dean finds out that the reason that Sam's powers are fluctuating and stuff and have been getting so much stronger because Sam's been drinking the demon blood. Yeah. And obviously the only thing that really shifts is like the last 30 seconds of the episode. So everything else is basically just Cass' backstory. Yeah. So it doesn't actually shift the plot no. so much as it just sort of gives you background information and we get yeah. a, a bit of lore. We get quite a bit of payoff as well, I yeah. would almost argue. Mm-hmm. 
I actually want to talk about Cass because obviously this is a yeah. this is quite a Cass heavy episode. Yeah. This is an episode hilariously Cass is barely in it. Yeah, but it is about him. And so oh, but though the actress who plays Claire mm-hmm. when she's possessed by Cass, oh she does great. Hey, phenomenal. Yeah, so good. I don't know where they keep finding these child actors for Supernatural, but they're so good. Like the the girl who plays Lilith is excellent. Like. It's, I don't know where they're finding them, but they're so good. Anyway, so the thing about Cass is, remember in Lazarus Rising, when they first, like Cass and Dean first meet, and Dean's like, you're possessing some poor son of a bitch? And Cass is like, actually, like, he's a, he's deva- a holy he's, man. He's a devout man. He actually prayed for this. And then you see this episode and you're like, I mean, fucking technically, I guess. <laughs> like. He drove him insane first and made him boil his hand in a pot of water like a noodle. Yes. Now, here is the thing about that. Have you ever heard of the wrist not limp enough, put it back in meme? Yes. Because this is the origin of that. And I love that meme. I think it's hilarious and it's just so funny. Anyway, so yeah, I'm like, I mean, sure, he technically technically pray for it if you count when he went outside and yelled up into the sky hey I'm gonna lose my family because I think I'm insane what do you want like if you but count like, it's not like he was going it like he was <laughs> only going insane because Cass was talking to him literally like it's it's like this weird it's not technically gaslighting but like do you know what I mean like it's along the same yeah. vein and also Cass is hilarious and I mean this in like I love him he is like, he's my poor little meow meow and he can do nothing wrong, but also he's a lunatic. And <laughs> literally, so do you remember again in Lazarus Rising, he keeps trying to talk to Dean yeah. and everything's exploding and like, whatever. <laughs> and he's like, oh, like some people, special people can like understand me. I thought you would be able to perceive my true voice. Then we find out in this episode, he did the same fucking thing to Jimmy. Like he, the first time he tries to speak to him, Jimmy goes into a full fit. And then Cass is like, oh, I'll just try that again. That worked so well last time. It's like, buddy, <laughs> chill. Oh, also, complete side note. The program that Jimmy has, like, fallen asleep watching on television, where the guy's, like, talking and he's like, I saw an angel under the... I was crushed under the car. I was made to watch that in school, that exact program that they're playing. I sat in a classroom when I was, like, 12, and I had to watch that entire program. And so it always trips me out when I see it in this show, because I'm like, oh, I've actually seen that in real life. How does the, like religious conditioning feel not great <laughs> so jimmy can't understand Cass either he couldn't initially i think okay. from that that first moment where he like is at the television and he kind mm. of goes into a fit he clearly couldn't understand but i think that from that point on he could because like he like Cass told him to like boil his hand yeah. as like a sign of faith and he says to amelia like ames he's spoken to me multiple times now yeah. and so I think that maybe that first instance just kind of flicks the switch and then from yeah. that point he could converse with him. So that leads me to maybe theorizing a bit more. Oh, okay. So obviously we have like the genetic compatibility thing. Mm-hmm. It also seems like genetic ca- c- compatibility isn't like you're not just genetically compatible for angels. You're genetically compatible to specific angels, oh, if that makes sense. It does. Like so if you're a vessel that could – like theoretically be an angelic vessel. Yeah. You couldn't necessarily be possessed by like any, any angel. Old angel. Yeah. Like it has to be specific angels depending on your genetic compatibility. 
maybe they are like descended from people who were like blessed by angels or something yeah. and so now it's considered like a blessed genealogy or a blessed bloodline like, that's really interesting you know maybe centuries ago there was like a saint or something and then you're mm. descended from that saint and then because you were blessed by the angels you're now you can now understand them but you can only understand specific angels yeah like and if that's they're why, related to that particular saint and yeah. that's why it's obvious that anna wasn't just an angelic vessel she was an angel herself who had sort of grown her own. Grown her own. Yeah. Um, if you can't do homemade, store-bought is <laughs> It's really Yes, I'm calling Jimmy a store-bought vessel. <laughs> what is interesting about that is that we do, we do get to meet other angels and their vessels mm. and learn about the relationships that those angels have with their vessels further down the track. Yeah. And so a lot of – some of the vessels are like Jimmy, like we're kind of coerced in a sense. Yeah. But – some and I don't like, even necessarily think it was Casper like yeah. I'm gonna like drive this guy kind of insane until he gives in. I just it think Cass didn't know what he was yeah. doing. Yeah, <laughs> I think I think he just genuinely like he was like I got to talk to this dude. I've got to convince him. Mm. So he's like I'm just gonna show him a whole bunch of evidence that I'm legit an angel, and he'll come round because obviously he's very rational and logical, yeah. and he'll come round if I just give him enough evidence that I am an angel, Mm -hmm. he will come around to the idea. Except for all of the evidence that Cass gave him drove him insane. Or rather drove everyone around him to think that he was insane. And here's the thing. I, Cass, baby, I love you. But, like, do you think you could have just, like, told Amelia anything? Like, do you think you could have performed a miracle so that she could... Actually I mean, see it? Like, yeah, and, like, here is the thing. As much as I said, like, Amelia is the only person reacting with any fucking sense in this whole episode, I feel like she does not think enough about the fact that her husband pulled his arm out of a clearly boiling pot of water yeah. and there is literally no damage. Yeah. Like, I feel like that might have been the point where, for me, I'd be like, huh. Maybe something that supernatural is happening here. Yeah. Like, I feel like that might have been a point for me where I'd be like, so tell me more about this voice you're hearing, <laughs> you know? And, like, even if... If I was, like, a deeply religious person like they are, even if I was, like, I think it's the devil speaking through yeah. you kind of thing, I might still be more inclined to think that something is actually going on if I can see, like, no, that is a pot of boiling water and you just stuck your fucking arm in it and also you're yeah. fine. Like, something is going on. I mean, if it. you work in fast food for, like, ten years, though, you eventually get to that point. <laughs> yeah, to be fair, Jimmy sells uh, ad time or something, yeah. so I don't think that that's... <laughs> but, like, true story, if you work in fast food or food and hospitality long enough, eventually you just lose all sensation of heat in your fingers. I lost my finger prints they just came off my like i couldn't you know that thing where you can um have your phone open with your thumbprint or whatever never worked it took 18 months after i left fast food for my fingerprints to come back enough for that to work mine never went that bad i've always had my fingerprints but like no mine went away there was definitely a point there where like i could just lift up things that were like 90 degrees and it was fine Mm mm-hmm I, I could hold them for a couple of minutes. It was alright. I could have committed so many crimes. I really yeah. didn't take the full. I really didn't make the most of that opportunity. Anyway, so yes, I do think it's. I'm saying. I also think it's important to remember that, like we've heard before, that this is the first time that angels have been really walking around humans in two thousand years. Yeah. So the last time that Cass potentially took a vessel, very different world. Yeah. To be taking a vessel in. Well, how would we know it was Cass if there wasn't a TV to go? <laughs> exactly how would we know but i really think that it tells us a lot about cass i also think that it's very interesting that cass instead of taking jimmy back as a vessel takes claire Mm. and i do wonder because we don't get to see him converse with claire 
it does make me wonder how the consent took place there, because we do know it's required. Yeah. Otherwise, he would have just straight up possessed Jimmy yeah. without doing all of that bullshit. Like Exactly. So it does make me wonder when he possessed Claire and also how that came about. We don't actually ever get to find that out. It what is... if he'd been talking to Claire the entire episode? I don't know if he was available. Yeah. I think he was stuck upstairs for a vast majority of this episode, or at least that's always been my interpretation. My interpretation has always been that he dropped into Claire relatively at the last minute. I'm not saying that he didn't drop into Claire at the last minute. I'm just saying, what if he was already talking to Claire? How long does it take to do all the bottom? Like, (laughs) it's fine. Just reboot the son of a bitch and then... Yeah. So, I don't know. I guess, I guess it could have been... I mean, she was unconscious and we see, even at the start of this episode, we know from a bunch of occasions now, but like... Cass and other angels will go into people's dreams yeah. to converse with them. So potentially, but the dreams aren't secure. Yeah, let's maybe touch on that for a hot sec. Uh, somewhere more private than inside Dean's head, and the more private location, a fucking random warehouse. I, <laughs> I just obviously whatever Cass is doing mm. is concerning to the other angels. Yeah. So I think Cass was literally just worried about exactly what happened. I think he thinks that other people were also lurking in Dean's head. Okay. In case Cass made contact with Dean there. Hang on, let me get this straight. So you don't think that Cass specifically had anything to tell them? It was just that he was like, hey, like, people are listening? No, no, no. I think the angels were starting to realise that Cass was no longer necessarily loyal to heaven. Heaven specifically. But was loyal to the humans. Loyal to the cause, but not necessarily the... The head, not heaven. Yeah. So I think they probably had someone just monitoring Dean and Dean's dreams and that because, you know, Cass was dangerously close to going AWOL. Yeah, which is, so, as we know from Anna, the, you know, murder number one. Yeah. So they were just, like, lurking in Dean's dreams, found out about the meetup, and then whatever the information was, whether it was of dire importance to heaven or not, which you'd assume it would because otherwise why wouldn't they still allow Cass to tell him at the end? Yeah. They were like, oh, no, we can't have that. He's gotten too soft on the humans. He's gotten too soft on the human, singular. Yeah. Important distinction. Time for a reset. I think that that is pretty accurate. Like, if you're thinking about, like, uh, recently we watched The Monster at the end of this book, obviously Cass is not supposed to be interfering any more than heaven has allowed him. And he really can't help help. him. Yeah, just so that you fully understand. how dire the situation is. Yeah, just just some background info, totally unrelated. Yeah, so I think that obviously Cass is finding loopholes to help Dean more than he's supposed to. Yeah, and so the information that he obviously, like, wanted to share with him Regardless of what it was, Heaven clearly was like, you have not been authorised to relay this information. And for whatever reason, Cass thought it was important for them to know. And Heaven has decided, nope, you are stepping too far out of line now. We This is multiple instances. You've killed Uriel. Like, <laughs> we're going to step in now and however, whatever. I do very, very quickly want to touch on the facts, like on Dean's dream. Dean and fishing is another one of those things that's just like oddly recurring. It comes up, him and fishing comes up a lot. You end up finding out that it's one of the few like nice memories he has of John is going fishing. I was actually watching that first scene. I'm like, this feels too peaceful. Like it feels, it's like, oh yeah, because it's a dream. 
it's literally one of like his only nice memories of him and his dad. And you don't, you find that out in like season 13, I think, or 14. Like it's a while from now, but Dean and fishing is just like a thing. I just thought about the way like Cass pops into Dean's dreams and all I can think of, do you know that meme that's like character A is taking a shower and character B walks into the bathroom and is just like, stop screaming, it's just me. (laughs) Quite genuinely. (laughs) Like that is literally just Dean and Cass. Like Dean is having a shower and Cass is just like no boundaries. Like, oh yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, where's where's the um, bloody wooden spoon in the kitchen? Like, stop screaming, it's just me, it's fine. Like, No, I 100% agree. I think that it's just, it's just interesting. Um, And also, actually, before we get too far off cast, I do think that the quote from him at the end of the episode where he says, I learned my lesson while I was away, Dean. I serve heaven, I don't serve man, and I certainly don't serve you. But it's specific to Dean. Like, he's that not talking- too much like a breakup speech. Like... <laughs> Yeah, like, and, and it is so specific, like you said before, like, he's l- too loyal to human, specifically singular, and when uh, Jimmy gets shot in this episode, the only reaction POV we get is Dean. Yeah. We don't get Amelia. No. We don't get Claire. We don't get Sam. We don't get any- we get Dean. That's not even Cass yet, that's just Cass's vessel. Yeah. <laughs> oh, actually, a question I've always had about this episode that kind of confuses me is I don't know why Cass didn't just heal Jimmy. Like, he could have. He just got shot. Like, it's not like Cass hasn't healed people before. I think it's maybe Cass trying to prove that he's not loyal to the humans. Maybe. Because, like, if you look at it from the point of view of, like, I think for him, when he thinks of Jimmy, like, he is trying to give give Jimmy purpose. And, like, that's how Cass sees it. Like, he, he sees it as Jimmy serving as his vessel gives Jimmy purpose. Yeah. So he thinks that's, like, rewarding. And so, like, in this, like, and you see it, and he's like, you're going to go to heaven, like, you'll be rewarded. And Jimmy's like, uh, yeah, no, that's not what I want. I just mm-hmm. want to be with my family. And, like, obviously that's not going to happen because if Jimmy survived this episode and wasn't possessed by, like, Cass, mm-hmm. the demons would still be after yeah. him. He wouldn't get like, away. Just because he'd be technically living, there would still be no escaping. He still wouldn't have a life. Yeah. He still couldn't be with his family, like, one way or the other. If Jimmy survived unpossessed, mm-hmm. He still can't have his life. Yeah. And I do think it is important to note, like, Jimmy is not actually dead. No. Jimmy is still alive. Yeah. Like, he is still within the vessel because Cass repossessed him and he said before he did. There were three options for Jimmy at the end of this episode. Yeah. He straight up dies. Mm Mm-hmm. He survives unpossessed or he survives possessed. Yeah. He's surviving possessed. He can't can't die possessed. Like, that doesn't work. Yeah, because Cass Cass being there will keep him alive. Yeah. Yeah. And we had this discussion way back in season one, but angels can heal and will usually heal their vessels while they're inside of them, whereas demons don't. Cass has been healing Jimmy because Jimmy literally says, like, I've been stabbed and healed and this and healed and that and healed. Exactly. Exactly. Uh, Speaking of being stabbed, I have a logistics question that I think could be, I would like to get your thoughts on. So in this episode, Sam is like struggling to hold back one of the demons and she like, you know, takes the crack about like, oh, like having a bit of trouble there or whatever. Can't get it off, I think. And Dean's like, oh, but I can and like goes to stab her, but she smokes out. They've never tried stabbing the smoke. And like, I get that it's not a physical thing, but you'd still be touching it. Like, what if you just put the knife up? Into the smoke. Like, sort of, like, over the mouth, so it's, like, as the smoke comes out, it's straight through the knife. Or, like, like, even if it's just above your head, what if you just, like... Because they... Smoking out takes, like, a good five to six seconds. So they could just surely... And you know what? It actually directly contradicts 
previous law that we've gotten. Does it? Phantom Traveller. Demons are most vulnerable outside the fucking body. You're, you're a fucking genius. You're a motherfucker. You're so right. Yeah. I just, it occurred to yeah. me. I was like, Dana's just standing there watching her with a knife, but he was right there. I was like, just, you know, move it a little to the left. And they did. They established that. You're so right. That like, it is more dangerous out of the vessel, but it is also more vulnerable, vulnerable. out of the vessel. Interesting. Well, now I'm, that's just waste of potential. Because I can tell you, they never try that. I'm just saying I think they should. <laughs> I'm just here's what I'm imagining. I just can't believe that I remembered supernatural law that you didn't. Wow, look at you going. Look at you look at that growth. What I'm imagining is you just like wave the knife around a little yeah. bit up in the smoke and then it like like gold lightning, mm. you know? And like it maybe it doesn't kill the demon, but maybe it just like forces like it grounds it or something, mm. you know? Or forces it back into hell. Yeah, or even like slows it down like it impacts it somehow because you can't damage it i suppose like it doesn't have a corporeal form for you to damage but like it's the essence of the demon yeah. you know well there you go top tips with beth and jamie have Stab you tried the stabbing the smoke <laughs> look this episode it's a lot there is so much in this episode but also nothing yeah like i said it's a lot of it's a lot of cast backstory yeah and i i love that i actually want to talk a little bit about jimmy I have a point, which is that when they first find Jimmy and he like gets up and whatever, and Sam is like going like, or they're like, Cass, Cass or whatever. And Jimmy goes, no, it's me. And Sam goes, who's me? (laughs) And I just think that's so funny. But also when they've told Jimmy in the motel that they are like, you can't go home to your family, blah, blah, blah. They finally convince him and he's like, quote unquote, asleep in the motel. I was looking at that scene. I was like, wow. It's so weird to see someone actually asleep under the covers because usually the boys just sleep fully clothed under like a jacket or something. And then they panned the camera across and there was Dean fully clothed to sleep under a jacket. (laughs) And I was like, yeah, exactly like that. But then Jimmy, insane man, Novak, waits to Sam to leave and then he flips over the covers and he is also fully clothed, still wearing his tie and everything. They're just under the covers. And also his shoes. Like... I understand falling asleep on top of the covers wearing shoes, but under the covers wearing shoes? And, like, I understand that he doesn't really have a change of clothes for obvious reasons. But, like, at least take off your fucking tie. Like, the only thing he took off was the trench coat. And honestly, the fact that he didn't have the trench coat on for most of this episode was, like, when he was most Jimmy. Yeah. And then when he had the jacket on was when he was most, like, Cass. Mm. And so I think that's, like, interesting I also thought it was sweet that when we saw Claire asleep in the back seat, she had the jacket over her. I was like, oh, that's a little bit cute. But it was also very sad. But yeah, so Jimmy has some really interesting quotes. And I just kind of want to speed run them for you now. Because I don't know if there's a whole lot to say about them. But if you have thoughts, please shout them out. So the quote where he said, it's God's will, not really my place to question it. I do think that is interesting for Cass as a character. The irony there is insane. Yes, yeah. And also he says, this is the most important thing to ever happen to me. And then Amelia counters with, I thought we, being her and Claire, were the most important things to ever happen to you. And I just wanted to talk about how I think that is really interesting in terms of the concept of like, in this instance, like holy mission, but I also think in terms of like John and his like revenge mission and like going from... Sam and Dean being his children and being like, you know, a really important thing to him 
theoretically we and never really see it. And then just being pawns that he can use to get his revenge. And then them just like becoming something that happens to be there while the most important thing becomes this mission that he's he's on. Um, I just thought that was really interesting. I also think it is interesting then that when he comes back, he says that he thought God was calling him to something. He thought it was important, but heaven, hell, none of it matters. The only thing important to me is you and Claire. And I think that that is very interesting again for Cass, which is like, I thought that, I thought that and you know heaven what? was it's almighty. It's a real shame that he didn't use the word Christ or Christo or anything <laughs> in that section because then he would have found out that his wife was fucking possessed. Well, no, she wasn't in that scene. She wasn't in that scene. She was possessed after that because it's after the dinner when the neighbor comes around. She's not possessed until after they leave the house. I also just think it's very important to put a note that Claire says, aren't you going to say grace? And he obviously gets very emotional and says, no, honey, I don't think I am. And I actually really love that scene. I just think it's really beautiful. And I think that the emotion is really nice. And like, Um, duh, of course he's not going to fucking say grace (laughs) after everything he's been through. Yeah. And like he says later in the episode, he's like yelling at Cass. He's like, I gave you everything. I gave you more. This is your heaven. Like you promised that my family would be safe. Cass, you promised. Yeah, it's just interesting. I think the parallels between Jimmy kind of being so devout in his faith and willing to sacrifice everything for his faith and for this promise of a divine holy mission and then his ultimate realisation that it is not what he thought. And And almost the betrayal of what it actually was. Yeah, and the ways that he saw that it was hurting him and hurting everyone around him and his ultimate like rejection of it I just think is really interesting comparatively to some other characters that we've got like we could talk about Anna we could talk about John we could talk about Dean we could talk about Sam even you know and his like how he his original idea of what an angel was and his you know history of faith comparatively to you know now that he actually knows angels personally how that has shifted for him just a quick question though yeah do we think Jimmy's seen hell like oh would Cass have been using the vessel to rescue Dean from hell? Here's the thing. It's unclear. Because mm. A, you wouldn't think that they would need a human vessel to go to hell because no. it's not an earthly plane. No. However, the handprint. Cass is an angel. He doesn't have hands, as it were. Like, <laughs> Imagine if the handprint was like... Just like a tentacle? <laughs> no, 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 but like, imagine if it was fucking massive. Like, he's the size, size oh, like of like across his entire like, chest. Like, just like, you know what I mean? Like, yeah. It looked like Dean had been grabbed by like Bigfoot or some shit like <laughs> <The> that. The Hulk. <laughs> yeah. No, but like, I guess, I guess, but I assume that that is a memory that Cass would have protected him from. Like, yeah. I don't think that Jimmy would have been conscious for that. Although it does make you think... If angels did need or did use vessels to go into hell, like we sort of know, like Cass was the only one who survived that. Mm. How many human vessels were lost in that cause, I suppose? Let's not tell Dean about that because Boy already blames himself for enough. I mean, and also if the demon sort of plan was taint as many vessels as possible with demon blood, Mm. makes perfect sense. Like the sort of bit before the ending of the episode... Where they're like, oh yeah, no, we're just going to shoot the entire family. Yeah, basically. They're like, well, if they're dead... They can't be vessels. Um, It'd also mean the Demon Hunger Games would make more sense, though. Yeah? Yeah. Well, if they were all, A, first up, corrupted by demon blood, Mm -hmm. and then B, all killed off, it's just like an extra safeguard that no 
if, if they could still theoretically possess a vessel that was corrupted with demon blood, it's just like insurance that none of them are. You yeah. know what I mean? Like if they're like, all well, dead, it's like double double prevention. Like we yeah. corrupted them all, and then for extra measure, we just killed them. Actually, but also, we needed a vessel that was stronger than the rest, and it needs to be specifically an angel compatible vessel. Because I would say. They're going to go like Lucifer was originally an angel who fell. So now he's not like any normal demon. He mm. needs to be able to, yeah. he needs an angel compatible vessel. Yeah. This is building on to, a theory that you've had for yeah, like quite a while. He needs an angel compatible vessel to be able to possess them. The other thing that is interesting is, and I'm just drawing back to like another point that you've had along this theory. If the vessels are in hell, then the demons have control over them. Like it's yes. harder for the angels to get to stuff like if it's on earth it's relatively easy but if they kill all of the vessels and they'd already tainted the vessels with Mm. demonic blood then they would automatically go to hell along your theory and then by that definition they're protected by yet another layer so like the angels if they wanted to raise those vessels would have to fight through hell to get to them like they did with them and then raise them which we already know it costs so much in terms of like angelic life yeah, like, it, your theory makes a lot of sense. They're, like, essentially to safeguard vessels, mm. that would be an appropriate re- approach. I do want to say, though, I think, going by my genetic theory, mm-hmm. that I go- I'm going to say that it's the John side of the genetics. Okay. Because they introduced Adam. Mm. So if they made John's genetics the things that are angel compatible, yeah, that means that Adam is a vessel. In theory, yeah. Which just means that they could use that Adam wasn't dead. (laughs) Yeah. But again, along those theories. Yes. Maybe Adam died and went to heaven. Okay. And then they could, the angels have control over the soul. They could theoretically. Resurrect. Yeah. Resurrect him. Okay. Yeah. You know what I mean? So it's like. Yeah. Working with, working within your theory, that does make sense. Because if John had the genetics, same as Claire being genetically related to Jimmy. Yeah. Adam would have the correct genetic material as passed on from John. And I feel like they might do that because then they can make it if the brothers have a hissy fit and refuse to be possessed. I love the I love the use of the word hissy fit in this context. <laughs> like like you know what I mean? Like if Sam yeah, and no, Dana no, both like nah fuck you, Which, don't give consent or whatever. To be fair, would be on brand for them. Also valid. You know, if if they decided no, then the storyline has something that it can use to sort of circumvent the necessity. Circumvent the necessity of using one Sam of and or Dean of being possessed though to be fair dean would be very easy to possess you just have to go we will kill sam if you don't let me possess you (laughs) and you go okay would it work the other way around do you think yes but i don't think the angels would try to possess sam Mm. i think that argument would only work for the demons to possess sam while we're talking about sam and dean i do love the little bit where dean is making fun of sam for letting jimmy escape and he's just brushing his teeth, having a little giggle to himself. And he's like, what were you doing anyway? And Sam's like, I was getting a Coke. He's like, was it a refreshing Coke? And it's just Which so funny. Which is fucking hilarious <laughs> with the context of he was outside doing the demonic equivalent of basically snorting lines of Coke. Like, yeah. that is, ba- he's outside taking a hit. Like, yeah, that is hilarious. And I also just love the inherent sibling energy of just being like, well, you know, because you done gone fucked up. Of Dean's, course I'm going to make fun of you. Dean's taking the position of like, well, I didn't want to hold him essentially hostage. Like, mm-hmm. Yeah, basically. So it's not my responsibility. You're the one who wanted to keep him here. And then you didn't fucking keep him here. Mm-hmm. Yeah. 
I also wanted to touch on, while we're kind of on Sam, he tells Jimmy that he either needs to get as far away as possible from his family or put a bullet in his head. And I appreciate the reaction shot we get of Dean where he kind of goes, like, I, this is not a visual podcast, but he, like, jerks his head and, like, furrows his brows and kind of looks at Sam, like, um, Basically, okay. the, the, the expression equivalent of, like, what the fuck? <laughs> Basically. I do appreciate it because it's like, yeah, Sam, like, Jesus, fuck, don't sugarcoat it. It's like, we also get sort of a damn don't fucking sugarcoat it moment from Cass where he straight up just says to Claire, I'm not your father, and then fucks off. Like, damn, bro, <laughs> have a little bit of tact. Actually, it is heartbreaking at the end when Cass repossesses Jimmy and he just kind of gets up and walks away from Claire, just yeah. like no further interaction. And like, neither, and he actually walks straight past Amelia too. Mm. Like, just no. And no, like, I'm sorry. And I think that that shows, obviously we get that Cass has been lobotomized, you know, or factory yeah. reset, however we want to put it. But he... I'm just imagining, you know, how you, when you get like a laptop, you get like the USB stick that has like, in case of emergency, <laughs> plug this shit in and everything is wiped. Sort yeah. of thing. Like I'm imagining that. I'm like imagining getting that... One, of, one of those super strong magnets and just like rubbing yeah. it over a disc. Yeah. Yeah. Basically. I do think it is really interesting because obviously not only have they reset Cass in t- terms of like like reestablishing where his loyalties are supposed to lie and the line that he is supposed to walk, but also they have stripped him of any of that compassion that he had sort the of humanity. learned. Because when he's sort of like, you know, is interacting a little bit more with Dean and we have those moments of vulnerability of like, you know, I was hoping that we would save the town and, you know, I, mm. I have feelings like I'm uh, like, I'm, I feel things and I'm scared and I have doubts and, you know, all of these things. And he has said to Dean, like, you know, for what it's worth, I would give anything for you to not have to do this. Like we have these moments from Cass of genuine, like compassion and humanity. Yeah. But he's stripped of that here mm. because if we had that left, he would have said to Amelia, like, I'm sorry. He's back to robot mode. Yeah, much like we talked about Anna. But this is obviously to a larger extent. I just want to make a quick note that something about the production team, whether it's the writers or whoever within Supernatural, really love putting Misha Collins on public transport and making him mournfully look out a window. Like, this is the first of a few instances of this happening. I don't know what it is. And they never do it to Sam or Dean. It's always, it's always Cass. Well, and Sam and Dean never take public transport. They're not always together, though. Like, even, mm. on, even in episodes or, like, arcs where they're, like, split up and only one of them has the car, usually we see one of them, like, steal a car or get, like, a yeah. lift somehow. But it's always, Cass is always on a bus. Like, we got very close to seeing Sam on a bus in Scarecrow. Yes. And then he doesn't and get on the bus. And then he just doesn't get on the bus. Exactly. So, yeah, for some reason, they just love putting Cass on buses. I don't know if it's just, like, the inherent kind of bizarreness of an angel taking public transport, but speaking of cars, I I love the line of Sam being like, okay, so here's here's your your car! car. (laughs) Like, all right, Sam. As if they didn't just very clearly seem hotwire it. Yeah, literally. (laughs) I I also love Dean's reference to stunt demon number three. I think that's very funny. I would find it very funny if that's actually how the actor was listed in the script. Yes, I think that would be hilarious. And obviously we have to talk about Sampire. Dean has obviously uh, seen Sam drink the blood. I just realised that I'm really sad because they could have had Meg possess Amelia. Any chance to get Meg. (laughs) Obviously we have to talk about 
Sam. Mm-hmm. And the uh, rehab retreat. Oh, yes. So, obviously, we get Dean's reaction to Sam drinking the blood. He's playing it very cool. Yeah. Uh, very cool and collected. And he basically says, Is what it is. I don't care. At this point, I don't fucking care. I'm so done. I'm just tired. I'm just sick of it. Let's go to Bobby. Well, here's the thing about this. Dean doesn't say let's go to Bobby. So Dean has clearly called Bobby sometime in the interim, told Bobby what has happened, and then Bobby has staged a phone call to Sam so that Sam doesn't get suspicious. Because it's not Dean being like, all right, let's go to Bobby's. It's Bobby being like, hey, come here, idiots, I've got to show you something. And Sam has no reason to not trust Bobby. No, because as far as he knows... Bobby doesn't know. Bobby doesn't know. So it's very clever and tactical on Dean's part and also on Bobby's. Yeah, essentially, Sam's been put in the panic room for timeout. And <laughs> I am interested to know what your thoughts might be on that particular... I think it'll be interesting to see how long they deem it necessary to keep him in there. Mm. To essentially, like, detox him of the demon blood. And then to also, like, trust him not to relapse the moment he comes out. Because, like, with rehab programs and stuff, typically the issue is... When you're in the rehab center, when you're in the rehab facility, like, your drug dealer doesn't live next door anymore. Like, you know what I mean? Like, so you're not in the normal world. You're not going and doing your normal job. You're not Mm -hmm. under the normal stress that you would be. Yeah. And then as soon as you return to the quote-unquote real world, Mm -hmm. suddenly there's all this temptation that's just... And compounding stresses. And compounding stresses that just aren't there when you're in the rehab facility. Another thing about rehab facilities and about addiction and sort of like, you know, coming out of addiction is there are programs where you can be weaned off the addictive substance. Now, in this instance... (laughs) I mean, to be fair, he has been partially weaned off the addictive substance. In the sense that Ruby's somewhere. Yes. In the sense that he hasn't had a hit in several days. Like, it wasn't a choice for him to Mm. win off. He just didn't have the availability. So it's not like going back a couple of episodes when he faced off against Alistair, Mm -hmm. when he had pretty free and readily available access to the substance he was abusing. Just because of scarcity, he hasn't really had... other than His doses have not been as large as of the last They haven't been as large and they haven't been as consistent as they had previously been. Yeah. So he's already sort of half weaned off. But it's just like he's still very much... Hooked. Hooked. He's very much in like this sort of withdrawal stage. Clearly, because that's, you know, the signs and symptoms are becoming apparent to people around him. I did also very quickly want to make a note that when Dean sees Sam with the blood on his mouth and stuff, uh, Amelia, who is still possessed by a demon, comes running up behind him. Sam puts his hand up to take out the demon, but Dean visibly flinches back. I don't know if you noticed that. It's not something that I think I've particularly noticed before, or at least not something I've remembered noticing before, but he very clearly, like, like Sam puts his hand up. Dean doesn't know that there's a demon behind him, and he, like, reacts as if Sam is going to attack him. And I do think that that is really interesting and really indicative of the fact that Dean is very... Concerned about Sam and Sam. Concerned, but also scared of. Like, scared of... It all ties back into if you can't save him, you're going to have to kill him. Anywho. I think that is everything that I wanted to touch on. Did you have any final thoughts? No, I think I am done for the day. Wonderful. Okay, in that case, Jamie, how would you rate this week's episode, The Rapture, out of five? I'm thinking like maybe 3.5 or 4. Okay. 
I think the plot line is like 3.5, mm-hmm. but like the Novaks are just yeah. the potential of that mm-hmm. is like, do I give it the extra half a point? I personally just love Jimmy and I love Misha's performance in this episode. Yeah. I really enjoy it, especially the last couple episodes of season four. This is one that I really am fond of, but it's not my opinion. It's yours. So whatever your gut tells you. Okay. I think I'm going to give it a four then. It's not comedy, but it's comedy. You know what yeah, I mean? Like- it's it certainly, I think it is just the, the change up mm. and sort of the novelty of it. It's a cast episode. And also, we get so much lore. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And, yeah. like, this is lore that doesn't feel like I'm drowning in it. Mm-hmm. It feels like lore that's actually giving me, maybe not the whole answer, but it's giving me an answer, if that mm-hmm. makes sense. Like, it doesn't just feel like, oh, we're just giving you more information, trying to work out what the fuck to do with it. <laughs> it's, like... It's guidance. It's guidance. And it's it, also not ex- expositioning in the sense that it's not... Cass doesn't say, oh... I possess, I was able to possess Jimmy because of a genetic factor in his, you know, DNA, and I will therefore also be able to possess his daughter. We just get through the actions of him in the episode and through lines like, he said as it's in my blood, and then the subsequent possession of Claire, like, we make that understanding, that intuitive leap without the hand-holding or spoon-feeding. It's like they trusted their audience to come to the conclusion that it must be something genetic, and it must be something that's hereditary that's passed down yeah. because of the it's in my blood mm-hmm. and also... It's in Claire's blood as it was in yours. Yeah. yeah. Alrighty. So, four. Great. Excellent. Next week's episode is titled When the Levy Breaks. Do you have any thoughts, feelings, opinions, fears, <laughs> hopes, dreams? <laughs> it is also the song... That's the song that I think of, yeah. but it is actually a Led Zeppelin reference. <laughs> Um, but I'm glad we have the same brain. Yeah. So, obviously, they're going to deal with Sam and his demon blood addiction on mm-hmm. next episode. Okay. Because they've just fucking locked him in. No, they're just going to do a normal monster of the week. <laughs> and Sam just Sam's just in the, the dungeon the whole time. <laughs> they're like, they've put him in there with a bunch of books and they're just calling him like, hey, <laughs> check in the encyclopedia for this, would you? <laughs> yes, we know that we've entrapped you in... A demon-proof room. Yeah. See, I told you that the panic room would come back and be plot relevant. See? I wasn't lying. (laughs) So they sort of like, yeah, they've locked him in there. So I'm assuming they're going to deal with at least some of the implications of that addiction. Yeah. And also when the levy breaks, that sort of implies that like all of the like pressure, all of the, like the dam's about to burst. Yeah, pretty much. Like it... The, the cracks are about to be overwhelmed by the pressure and, like, it's all just going to come Fall flooding apart. out. Like, yeah. everything's going to... Shit's going to hit the fan. Yeah. And it was also the second last episode of the season. So it's, like, we're getting we're getting to the crux of it at this point. Okay. Next question. Do we think Cass will be present in next week's episode? Yes. Logically, it doesn't make any sense for him to not appear. Fair enough. So... That is all for this week's episode. If you would like to interact with us any more than listening to us waffle on in your ears for an hour or so every week, you can always follow us any of our social medias. All of the links will be in the description below. You can also find our other podcasts, The Thief Steals the Podcast, or you can also find Wayward Parents, which is the Winchester's prequel podcast that I am on, but unfortunately Jamie is banned from for spoiler reasons. (laughs) If you did want to interact, some possible topics for conversation could include... Limp not rest enough boil. <laughs> your favorite limp not <laughs> your favorite wrist not limp enough memes. Yeah, <laughs> I said it wrong. It's fine. I don't know if anyone's like 
tech savvy enough to do this for me. But I want like a full like magical girl transformation. Like take the scene with the magical girl, but actually turn it into a magical girl transformation. No, because do you know what I'm seeing in my mind's eye? I'm seeing that fucking picture of Misha that people use for the Misha apocalypse, and I'm just seeing it on She-Ra. <laughs> do it. If anyone is good at making gifts. <laughs> Which I decidedly am not. (laughs) Anyway, thank you so much for listening. Hopefully you had as much fun listening to us as we had recording. And hopefully we will have you back next week for the levy breaks. Or when the levy breaks. Bye! Or or when the levy breaks. (laughs) Bye! 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 God, I only took four goes. We'll be alright.